0: Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking into Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring you expert knowledge and insight into the various aspects of business and employment, hoping to improve your potential success, no matter what part of the employment spectrum you fall on. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today, we examine the idea of workplace and business transparency, what it looks like, how it can be beneficial, and some guidance from a couple of gentlemen who are passionate about this area. Joining me in the studio is Mike Natalizio, president and CEO of HI. Mike, thanks for coming in today. Thank you, Tim. And alongside him today is James Carlson, CEO of Bucket Brigade. James, thanks also for coming in. Great to be here. Before we jump into this idea and, and philosophy, really, uh, if we could get give the listeners an idea of where you guys are coming from, your company, your experience, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a good background for
1: people. Well, I'll start. Uh, this is Mike. At h and and i is an insurance and risk management employee benefits organization. So when it comes to transparency, probably... Two or three years ago, I, I met James at a, uh, a workshop, and he was talking about, you know, the way people are going to start working in the future. And certainly a big part of that was transparency, collaboration, and accountability, how we work together. And it was just something that uh, was really the first time I heard it in, in that manner. And you hear people today, I mean, I talk to a lot of CEOs, and they're all saying, hey, we want to be more transparent. It mm-hmm. seems like the thing to do. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's quite a journey. Quite a journey, and James, from your uh, your side of things. Yeah, so uh, we've been
2: at the Bucket Brigade working with companies now for about nine years to help them become more democratic, more transparent, more collaborative. Um, working with both the the feelings, the people, the face to face aspect of that, which is hugely important, as well as the technology and and how we can use some of these modern social technologies to help deliver transparent and um, more democratic kinds of workplaces.
0: Obviously, you guys could talk for hours on this and, and we could get into so much detail, but I think it has to start in terms of trying to define transparency and what that means. You're talking about the workplace or business in general. Where do we go with that? I, I mean, I'll let you guys kind of take the floor with that.
1: <laughs> Either one of you mm-hmm. can start. Well, I would start by, you know, from my perspective is the, the world has really changed. You know, the way we work is very different, and it's being driven by technology, the web. And so a lot of times we get caught into saying, well, transparency is more about these technologies and the tools. Uh, but that's just a – you know, this is how we do it. And it really changes your whole mindset of how we share information, how we collaborate. That's that's my perspective.
2: Yeah. And I'd say, I mean, it in a very simple way, it's responsibly sharing information and data and um, – ideas with team members in an organization. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily the glass box. It's being intentional about the idea of sharing information and making that a stance, a focus, rather than kind of an added activity of the organization's culture. Mm -hmm. Something Mm -hmm. that tries to get baked in. You know, if we wanna make a commitment to doing that, uh, we can do it, but we have to be deliberate and thoughtful about how how it's done.
0: You know, Mike, you talked about the idea that, you know, the world's changing, that sort of thing, obviously. Um, you talk about technology, but what are some of the reasons, some of the factors that this is really maybe becoming a push and more important, whether it be, you know, we talked a little about, James, about the just the people coming into the workforce now, mm-hmm. how that's changed, and um, maybe some other aspects of it to give mm-hmm. people an idea, why is this becoming important? Why should I care about it?
1: I, I think there's, you know, obviously we hear a lot about the war for talent, you know, getting mm-hmm. good talent into our organizations. And, I think the uh, the people that are looking to an organization, they're going to try and find organizations where they can spread their wings, where they can bring more value. And it tends to be more of the democratic workplaces, the transparent workplaces, and they want to know what's going on. They want to know how they can bring value to the organization. If everything is all locked down and they don't have information to do their job or to excel in their career, um, it's going to make it difficult. Yeah, I think another factor that's pushing it is – you know, as global competition
2: increases and the speed of growth increases, businesses are looking for more ways to innovate. And innovation and new ideas come out of sometimes unpredictable places mm. in a company. And if folks don't have access to more information than they might need to do their work, the emergence of innovation is going to be a little bit less likely. So companies are thinking, hey, I want to give people more visibility to what's going on because they might generate some ideas that could really transform our business. If they can see that information, they can come up with transformative ideas and, and also work to implement them, spread them, get feedback from others and that sort of thing. So I see that as a major shift as well, companies wanting to be innovative leaders.
1: And we talk about the, uh, the generations. You know, we're, right. In our workforce, you know, we've got multiple generations. And I think some of the, the uh, younger Generation people coming into that workforce. This is expected. This is the kind of workplace that they expect and desire to be in. And so, you're mixing multiple generations in. It becomes becomes a challenge. James, you mentioned uh, the idea of being democratic. Uh, You know, and some people,
0: much like transparency, might define that in different ways. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone has a voice and everyone votes on everything, and that's not necessarily the case. So, what what are you talking about, James, when you say democratic in terms of how it would work, whether it be from the employer's point of view or from the employee? I say
2: a democratic workplace culture is one in which more people have more visibility to decisions that affect them Mm. and can influence those decisions. I'd say, you know, as part of any concept of democracy, a healthy uh, level of access to information, but also education and understanding. So a democratic company will tend to take more time and invest energy and uh, resources in teaching its people sure. what its mission is, what its vision is, where it's trying to go, and seeking their participation in that conversation, as opposed to kind of the sermon from the mount, you know, here's where we're going, get in line, let's move this direction. You know, in a modern organization and a democratic company is going to present those ideas, but then invite folks to participate in that discussion. So people are gonna concern themselves both with their world, their personal world in the workplace, but they're also gonna be looking at the whole picture a little bit more, greater degree of ownership from people who work in the organization. And so a lot of those kind of cultural effects come out of it. It's a mm-hmm. different, way to, different way to run a company, right. but a lot of really rich benefits in terms of health, uh, wellness, people being more engaged, uh, more excited, and of course, the opportunity for great
1: innovation. Yeah, Tim, James and I have often talked about this democratic workplace, and we've tried to come up with a, a different term. And uh, we haven't come up with the, anything mm. better than that, but uh, oftentimes people think this means chaos. Yeah. And, uh, James, you were talking about, you know, look at the greatest democracy we have. Our country is really a democracy, and we don't have chaos in our country. And so in Sometimes we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But less chaos than money countries. Sure, so, sure. Uh, And and so that if you look at your organization, much in the same light, uh, you can have that kind of voice. You know, James brought up the idea of uh, taking
0: the time to educate and and really, um, you know, in in a sense, you're sort of training them in a different way. From my experience, a lot of people I've talked to, there's that concern of taking the time and resources to to learn new things and people Mm -hmm. need to be ready when they come to the job. So, Mike, from your point of view, if you're running a company – how do you balance that idea of, well, you're going to have to take some time maybe away from other responsibilities to train them in, okay, well, when you look at these numbers, what does this mean? Because sure. they might not have the education with that. Where's the balance there in fitting that into your organization? The balance,
1: I think, lies in if we can educate people on how to use the wisdom that we have in our company, uh, we can save a lot of time. Well, I, I find a lot of times when there's a, a less transparent organization, we have many groups of people working on projects and they may be reinventing the wheel in all different aspects of the organization whereas if we can open things up we can actually save time, energy and come up with a better product. So the trade-off is pretty simple for me because I've seen it I've seen it actually happen where we've all worked together and, and saved a lot of time and energy. So the investment of education there is a there is a payoff all right? You know, we'll get into some of the
0: details as far as maybe how to implement this and, and really what we're talking about specifically. What, I guess, would be sort of the hesitation from an employer's point of view in terms of, you know, opening the book, so to mm-hmm. speak, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows what everyone's doing? Um, what are some of those drawbacks or, or the, the reasons that employers would be like, eh, it's not for me yet?
2: And I think, you know, some of the major challenges obviously come in with transparency is I can see and anyone can see good news, great uh, what if the news is bad? Mm-hmm. Everybody can see the bad news just as clearly as they can see the good news. And that that means that we all, in all organizations, there are times when things are good, there are times when things are bad. So providing the context and making sure that you, you're taking the time for folks to understand what it means and what's the plan, um, that does take a good commitment. So there is a, some hesitation because I can have it one way where I just tell people what's up, and that's the story they think is the case, whether or not it is. And a lot of times in history, that's the way organizations have been run. Mm -hmm. If we have a bad month, we have a bad quarter, we just kind of keep it at a positive note for the team so that they stay engaged and we can pull through it. But in in a transparent organization, we might actually share the situation with the team, educate them on what it means. And a lot of times, I think, and to Mike's point, we can get faster solutions that way. We've got more brains looking at the problem. But obviously, that means we need folks who are also committed to solving it. And so that's kind of the It takes a little more work, but the payoff can be great. It's just that hesitation around. uh, And I think the other root hesitation really is just the the loss of control, the illusion that we're in control of our, of our organizations, the people who work in them. And we think, well, gosh, if we give them information, we won't be able to control them anymore. They won't do what they're supposed to do anymore. They'll start going in different directions. And I think, again, that fear can be a little overstated because I think when people are given information and the power to, to use it wisely, they tend to do that.
1: Right great comment illusion of control and yeah. because th- there's a there is a a network with or without transparency they're they're talking right. about the organization they're they're spinning things and so by putting it out there the spin is is out there and it's really authentic Let's jump in a little bit then into the, the key components. And, and, you know, again, you guys can go anywhere
0: you want with this. You're the ones with, with all the insight and experience with this. But, you know, I jot down things uh, determining communication and honesty and, and feedback, that sort of thing. Whether it be those things or other aspects, what's really at the core, you know, in terms of how this works and how it's really effective?
2: Yeah, I'd say that the the foundational elements to me are a, a culture of trust and respect. Sure. That needs to be built first, and that's really a face to face, people's hearts and minds being engaged with what the organization's vision and mission are, but also with who each other are as people, not just in terms of their role in the job, but also their lives. So it kind of looks at th- at the whole person, the work life. Uh, balance and includes those those things in the conversation. With that foundation, becomes other things that can be built on top of that. Ready access to information about what is going on in the company, and it might not just be what we're used to. In my work group, I can see what's going on, but mm-hmm. not in the other work groups or other silos or other departments. Whereas, in a more transparent culture, we might put all that information about all the different departments, divisions and their efforts in a common place where people can go and look and explore what else is happening. I think um, regular cycles of feedback with leaders, um, the leaders of the organization being out in front communicating openly about what's being experienced as challenges, more of that kind of communication and uh, also continuous listening. It's just mm-hmm. a big gap in a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Listening is something that's uh, not often made time for, but but in a transparent culture becomes even more critical. If sure. someone is, as Mike said, you know, folks are gonna talk about what's going on anyway. If there's an open place for them to do it, where we can actually hear what they have to say in the common forum, that's better. So we need to establish those forums. Otherwise, it's just gonna happen over at the water cooler in private, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the anti-transparency, if you will.
0: Right. You know, Mike I mean, I mean you want to go with this but you know a lot of this talk you know ideas of maybe people are talking anyway and um, you know maybe that plays into the idea of control too when you're looking at this and you've sort of seen it work essentially and that's why obviously you're sold into this idea what are there specific things you point to in terms sure. of why it has been beneficial and why it is the way to go
1: yeah and and worked as a you know, a journey. We're we're (laughs) working towards uh, more and more transparency and Mm. and collaboration. But I think, you know, it's a very deliberate process. And it starts with really explaining why it's important, why we as leaders have decided and why we think it's important that we go down this path and become more transparent. Uh, That's a start. And I think the other key to success in any uh, movement towards more transparency is uh, leading, Mm -hmm. You know, as a leader, you have to be out there and you have to be communicating. You have to be, if you're using a a tool, a social network inside your organization, I think for the leadership team to be very active, communicating, Um, lead by example, because we want others to communicate. It can't just be a one-way street. And that's truly a key in any of these uh, transparent type of organizations is making deposits Taking withdrawals, you can't just take withdrawals right. and not put anything back in. And so that's you know the journey that we're on as an organization.
0: James, you had mentioned something, um, and I kind of jotted down actually too in terms of really this transparency of people, not just employees, but that they're people. Mm-hmm. Some people may be uncomfortable with the idea of you know learning someone personally or having to maybe share certain information or whatever. I guess, where is that line in terms of personal lives and and inner thoughts, so to speak, as opposed to, you know, maybe the typical model of, okay, I'm here, I do my job, okay, you might know a little bit about me, that's fine, but that's about it. How do you maybe broach that subject or or come up to that line a little bit that people might not be comfortable with?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really, to me, it draws a clear line from someone's values Mm -hmm. as a person. That line draws outward from their values through the concept of respect, it'll be very difficult for us to truly understand how to respect one another and Mm. treat each other with respect if we don't understand what one another's values are. And values come from, from people. They don't come from roles. They don't come from job titles. They come from people, from their hearts. If a company can create a culture where it's safe for me both to establish boundaries and say, well, there's just certain things that I don't really, that's my privacy, that's my personal life. But also to expose and make visible the values that drive us to the work we do, that drive us to participate in the teams we're in, that becomes just an incredible source of energy for transformation, for growth, for innovation, and also for dealing with the challenges that can come up um, when things go wrong, when things go awry. If what we're doing is drawing on the values of our people at those times of crisis, we're gonna get a much richer and healthier response than if we're drawing from you know, obligation, duty, role, commitment. Those things I think really just provide a shape for how values are expressed in the workplace. So it's an open thing. I think the other thing about this is generational. As more and more people are entering the workplace now, Mm -hmm. younger generations that are very used to the idea of sharing their personal (laughs) lives online, broadcasting Mm -hmm. everything they're doing and thinking, that becomes less and less and less of an issue over time and is probably a great source of tension today between the generations in the workplace. You know, I'm used to kind of, at work I'm this person, at home I'm that person. The younger generations are the same person in both places and they're (laughs) accustomed to knowing more about one another. So making opportunities for folks to, I think, get out of the workplace and spend some time together offsite, doing engaging team activities, fun things, just getting a chance to get to know one another a bit People will figure out where their boundaries are, uh, but I think formally the organization looking to values and looking to align those values with vision and mission is a way forward
1: for that. Sure, that line has really blurred the personal versus the business mm-hmm. um, persona. Even just you know some of the things where, some of these tools where you can put your picture in what you're posting, and there's organizations yeah. where you, you have people that haven't even, don't even know who these people are, and so you have a little bit of a personality behind the post. That, that adds social, too, without mm. necessarily getting really uh, intimate or personal about me. All right. Obviously,
0: a lot of things you guys are talking about, it just automatically puts my mind into the idea of social media and, of course, Facebook, Twitter being the the two big entities, so to speak, um, and LinkedIn as well. But how does that play in here? Because you talk about transparency, you talk about maybe this more openness and personal lives being involved Um is there a danger, quote-unquote danger, to you, you know, allowing this free speech really almost of the company or maybe a coworker, And it doesn't have to be a derogatory thing, but just all of a sudden maybe these negative things come out. How do you handle that? How do you approach that? Where Where's the boundary there if there is one?
2: Yeah, I mean the, the, the thought that someone can – because we've made open the opportunity for people to talk, then they say something bad. What will we do? Can we, can we somehow rein that in? Can we have the good things and not the bad <laughs> ones? Can we get the cake and then eat it too? And the challenge is really, we, we really can. I mean, there's no way for us to sort of open the door and let the cat out of the bag and not really let it out. Healthy companies will own the bad news just as well as they own the good news. And if an employee is out there broadcasting and saying things to the world, uh, well, you know, that's not new. That's been going on forever. It's just new that there are different tools with Mm -hmm. which it can be done now. The companies that take those opportunities to participate in that conversation and eventually convene the conversation, not just let it happen, not ignore it, not try to suppress it, but participate in it are the ones that are able to heal their reputations and keep going forward.
0: And I, I don't want to step yeah. on you all there. You know, you hear a lot of stories lately, especially about somebody puts out a tweet or a post on Facebook, and then you know they're fired the next day. So are you arguing that there needs to be more of a conversation then, and, and as opposed to just, well, you know, they were insubordinate and they're gone. I mean, how does that how does that factor? In?
2: There are clear lines. I mean, if a person crosses certain lines, then I think the disciplinary actions can be appropriate. Okay. But I think even after that action is taken with that person, the company's interaction with its community mm. and its reputation has to become a conversation immediately. It's not just about silencing the voice. It's about continuing that conversation until it's a healthy one, until the understanding has been reached with the wider community. And that's a whole new ballgame for businesses to do.
1: And isn't that part of the whole education yeah, element exactly. that we're talking about is what uh, the appropriate thing to say and not necessarily control that message, but you obviously, there's a line that you can't cross. People
2: are used to saying what they think privately and personally. Now they have a huge forum in which to do it. If we immediately clamp down and shut all the doors, what we've done is because of one bad actor, potentially silenced dozens of other good actors and brand advocates who Mm -hmm. will be out talking the positive stories about the organization. So I think each of these things gives us a chance to engage in a different way with our communities, our customers, partners, and potential future employees who will be watching. How did they handle that? Do I want to work at a place where that's what happens to people when they do these things? Those are things we're all under the spotlight right now in that sense.
1: The other dynamic I think that occurs is that the whole organization controls the message as well. And I, I oftentimes hear someone say, well, what if someone starts harassing somebody openly? Well, the rest of the organization sees that sure. and and they control it. So we have a, a more uh, holistic approach to managing our, our message. You know, with all the stuff we talk about, whether it be um, in the
0: workplace or it might be a social media idea, in terms of self-awareness, I mean, how much does that factor in? I, f- I feel personally it's a lot easier for us as individuals to look at someone and, and judge what they do or who they are, but it's oftentimes difficult to look at ourselves and even figure out something as simple that we would think as simple as our values. Where does that play a role? Because I would argue if you don't have very good self-awareness, I, I don't really know what else you can bring to
1: the table. So uh, does that play a big role in this? Yeah, I think it does. I mean whether you're posting something online, an email, or in a meeting, I think the same, same kind of awareness, self-awareness when you're in a meeting. We've all been in meetings, and this is one of the things that you know, we've worked on hard with James in our organization is how many meetings do you have where people are talking – and aren't getting any value. And sure. what does that cost an organization to have people in a meeting that aren't getting any value? We've all been there. We've all been in the meeting where I like, well, you know what? Why am I here? And how much longer is this going to go on? And then after the meeting, it's I'll send you the notes. And, and this <laughs> perpetuates itself. And, and it's, it's taking away from the, the speed of the organization, whereas we can have a more transparent approach. And people can chime in when they need to. And if they don't need to, they can do their work. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, we're increasingly as
2: we expand and make more available information, we're also thereby giving people more power, which means they have to be more present and conscious of what they're doing and what they're thinking. And in the past, that's just sort of been there. Mm -hmm. Some people do it. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. That's just the way they are. What's happening now is that those conversations are actually being made explicit we're starting to talk openly about it to each other in the workplace and making the time to talk about what it means, how do we do it, what does it really look like, and also dissenting and disagreeing. I think the big dissonance is the folks who are kind of nodding their heads while they're shaking their hearts. They're saying yes with their body but no inside. That kind of self-awareness is something that We want folks, again, in a transparent culture to be shaking their heads out loud, to be very visibly dissenting and disagreeing because it's much easier to manage disagreement than agreement in that context. So um, that self-awareness is critical. And I I see self-awareness, too, as becoming a part of how we choose how to add folks to our teams. We're going to be looking at people in terms of are you aware of what you're doing and how you're affecting mm-hmm. the people around you more and more in the future than we do today.
1: And in traditional model with the meetings, you know, the personality has such a big impact. A big yeah. personality right. can dominate a meeting. Right. Whereas in a transparent organization where you're using some of these different tools, even a quiet personality may have a great idea, can enter that in or have a dissenting I- opinion. Put that in as opposed to in the meeting where they might, as James said, be shaking their head yes and, you know, obviously not agreeing. So it gives all individuals – I often say that that keyboard doesn't have a volume control. You know, like in the meeting where the loud voice takes over and that quiet one is just pushed aside in this organization or in this transparent organization, you can hear from more more voices. Right.
0: And from both of your experiences, uh, whether it be in your own organizations or in talking with other um, CEOs, business owners, that sort of thing, what would you point to as, as being sort of the overall impact of having that transparent business? And I know it might be difficult to really put things like that in a nutshell because there are so many factors to it. But if you were really, you know, so to speak, selling it to someone on why you should do this and what the impact really is, because a lot of people just still think, okay, bottom line, though, bottom line, where does that get me? How does that, uh, how does that play a factor here? I think
2: for me the big things are more innovation, more creativity, greater ability to attract good talent, mm-hmm. better stories for my brand for our clients' brands, being able to find those good stories and spread them. Sustainability, so when disaster strikes, having a transparent workplace, again, there's downside, but the big upside is we're gonna get a lot of engagement with that problem, and it doesn't have to be, and this may sound, you know, again, as an owner, as a CEO, I don't actually have to control every solution the company generates. I don't have to be the person that fixes every crisis. The whole organization can be engaged in that. And the net of that is, for me, a healthier workplace, a healthier company where people want to be and will grow from being involved with that.
1: Might even add mobility, you know, that that you can be in touch with your organization no matter where you are on the planet. All the people that want to uh, chime in, uh, whether they're you know, away or in the office, they're able to have a voice there too. Yeah, the speed
2: goes up dramatically too, sure. I would say. I mean, even though you're spending more time with communication, everything's more accessible. So it's faster, there's less roadblocks to getting to what you need and getting things done.
0: You know, we're getting a little low on time, but I did want to ask about this side of it. You, know, you guys talk about going out and presenting and, and sort of bringing this idea about the to, to many different people. What has been the feedback that you get uh, when this is brought up? I mean, is there is it often positive? Is there still a lot of pushback? Do you end up getting into, you know, even deeper conversations? What is that like when you've gone out and, and given, maybe given them an idea of, of this is where you should be headed, or this would, might be ideal for you? How does that uh, kind of come about in conversation, especially after you've done your job, so to speak?
2: We get kind of mobbed. I mean, <laughs> we,
1: people really want to talk about this stuff a lot right now. Initially, they're overwhelmed, yeah. you know, they really are drawn to it. And maybe after thinking about it a little bit more, they, they start, the fear starts to set in. It's like, yeah, but I don't <laughs> know that we have the right culture. I don't know mm-hmm. that we'll all fit in to that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm.
2: Once you put the glasses on and start seeing the world this way, it's really hard to take them back off. It's yeah. really hard to kind of go back into the box and think, okay, that's the way stuff's supposed to be, is the way it always was. It's, you start seeing things in a different way and thinking, wow, maybe we do have a chance to do something a little bit different. And again, if that can align with company goal, vision, boom, it it becomes impossible to ignore.
1: You also start to reflect on your own organization because you're hearing some of this for the first time. And they're saying, maybe we are a little bit more of this command and control mentality. And after you start seeing the extreme or one side of the democratic workplace, you you start to say, well, you know what? Maybe we're a little too old-fashioned. Maybe we need to
2: start being more progressive. You start hearing things that people say like, well, no one told me that. Well, I wasn't (laughs) informed about that. And those kinds of things just just don't get said in a transparent culture. People never say, well, I didn't know that because that's no longer a valid reason for – You know, that's no longer true. It's just, yes, well, you could. And now you're responsible for knowing more, too, which is, you know, kind of the side of that. So
0: let's leave our listeners with this thing because they're going to be employers listening. And, and, you know, even managers, maybe on a smaller scale, could try to create this in their own department if if it's not a, a company wide thing. Where do they start? Where's a good place to start if they have that fear of our culture just isn't that? I don't know where to begin. What's your advice there? And and even just getting started, that first step maybe. It may
2: sound bold and maybe a little beyond the risk threshold here, but one of the biggest things we've seen is a good entry point to this is sharing the plan. So the strategic plan for the company, the Mm -hmm. strategic plan for a department, what are we going to do in the next year? Normally, again, as leaders, managers, CEOs, we just write it, publish it. This is the plan, everyone. And if you have any questions, let me know. So we changed that to, here's the plan, everyone, before it's been finished. And here's a place where you can all share your feedback and ideas on that plan, refine it, and explicitly asking, what don't you like? What can you
1: disagree with? What do you think won't work? And seeking that dissent. And dispelling this idea that there's a secret master plan that's uh, hidden behind closed doors, locked up, that is really exist, and it really doesn't. So if you get it out there, again, the back channel starts to uh, go away. With that, we will bring moving up the ladder to its conclusion,
0: transparency in the business world. Definitely a concept that is trending, so great to get an insider's point of view from both of you today. Our guests today have been Mike Natalizio, president and CEO of HNI, and James Carlson, CEO of Bucket Brigade, any place that people could find out more about you guys or even about this idea? I mean, would you drive them to your particular websites? What's the idea there?
2: Yeah, I'd say a bucket and the letter B, bucketb.com. It's a good place to start. And you can check out our blog at hni.com.
0: Great. Thanks a lot for coming in today, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again also to all you listeners. And, of course, we always love to hear from you. So please drop us an email with any comments or suggestions at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.